good luck with the word. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that mixes shrooms and adaptogens with coffee, cacao, latte, protein powder, and edible skincare. I know that I've been using these products at work, especially because they have like little packets that you can take to work very easily. So you don't have to like carry this whole container with you. So it's easy for on the go. You can store it in your purse. I specifically like to drink the coffee packets in the afternoon because it's like it feels like coffee, but it's not bad for you like coffee in the afternoon. If you're anything like me, if I drink caffeine in the afternoon, I can't sleep. But I also just like to I like to have a warm beverage in the afternoon. We have a special offer for Joy and Claire podcast audience, you can receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash joy or enter code joy at checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash joy to receive 15% off your order. I also know mom Sandy was talking the other day. She really likes the protein packs. So try out their products. They have a ton of products to choose from and you can support the podcast at the same time. Okay, we have a lot to cover this week. Yeah, let's start with the great emails that we got about the kids stories because that just made my day. My gosh, they were so You guys delivered. You delivered and then some. You really delivered. So last week, if you haven't heard our last week's episode, episode five, I talked about how um, Miles had this really adorable, hilarious moment where he, quote unquote, accidentally ate a whole bag of chocolate coins and was like devastated by it. And I had to, I couldn't laugh, but I wanted to laugh so bad. And then and where he also covered himself in eyeshadow and I wanted to laugh but couldn't laugh. And it's then so even since then, we've had one where Brandon was putting him to Oh, bed. you did? Yeah, and they were reading The Very Hungry Caterpillar and he was and Miles was just in kind of a sensitive mood. And at the end of the book, he was like, that's sad, right, Dad? And Brandon was like, why is it sad? And he was like, because if all the caterpillars turn into butterflies, then there's no more caterpillars in the whole <laughs> world and just started sobbing. And Brandon's like keep it together keep it together like you want to just laugh because it's so cute but so Brandon cute. had to like oh keep my a gosh, straight face yeah. and like counsel yeah, miles through this realization that like caterpillars are you know so there's not cute. no caterpillars so just we, like everything's such a big deal it's and you such so a big deal so you we asked you guys to send us yours and you guys really really delivered just been so good can i start with Kristen's? yes please <laughs> it's a funny kid story warning poop involved. So truly, if you have like a poop version of just talking, it's not like gross. It's just hilarious. But who knows? There may be someone out there that can't even stand like a poop discussion to, to hear. about. So poop. she says, right, this just happened this week. You might not be able to read this in the show, but it may at least give you a laugh. Working on using the toilet with our two and a half year old Archer. He has struggled to put his number two in the toilet. He usually poops in his pull ups during naps or waking up in the morning. And the other night, after a long time on the toilet, which I just thought was him stalling before bedtime, he pooped in the toilet. And it was, well, a really big long turd. <laughs> he was so excited. And his favorite reward for putting his beer poop in the potty is getting to flush which I think is so cute. It's like the same thing of like making sure whenever kids get in an elevator, they have to push the buttons. He excitedly flushes the lever, which is an efficiency handle. You lift it up for number two and push down for number one, which is all he's used to doing. Well, the poop didn't go down. This long, rigid toddler turd just snapped in half. And let me tell you, in any given day, the worst thing that can happen to this kid is if he breaks his banana when he is peeling it because he's got to do it himself. Or if you in any way break or cut anything. Well, shit really hit the face. He looked at me with such concern and I started to giggle and he lost his mind. And I found myself on the floor of a bathroom comforting a toddler because his 
quote unquote, poop broke in the toilet for the next 10 minutes until I could show him there was a special way to flush his big poops and try again. Love you all so much. Thank you for the laughs and good conversation this week. Always the highlight of my Thursday. We were dying about that. that. Can I you guess, imagine like I can, trying not to laugh? Like <laughs> I can so clearly imagine just being there and like trying so hard to keep a straight face and your kid is just losing it because their poop broke and oh my gosh so and and part of part of me wants to be like i hate to break it to i hate to hate to break it to you oh no no pun intended but <laughs> hate to break it to you but um you got a lot of these in your future no so <laughs> funny but also just like i love i love the description of a long rigid toddler turd i think that's i wish i wish i could really name that episode that but i'm not going to a long rigid yeah. toddler turd okay what else do we long, have? okay uh this one is from jesse she says I have a child story to share about my nephew who was four at the time. He was taking a bath and decided to take that opportunity to try out a swear word he learned at preschool. He looks at my, at my sister and says out of nowhere, Mama, look at all these fucking bubbles. <laughs> Sorry for the F word. I should have warned you guys. <laughs> Sorry. She's dying inside, but had to keep a serious look on her face to say, what did you just say? And he responded like Miles by immediately bursting into tears. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's a really good one. So funny. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a really good one, too, from Jacqueline. I absolutely adore you, too. And as I do every Thursday, just listen to this week's episode. I wanted to chime in with a funny story from my parenting adventures, because I am the worst at keeping it together when my kids do something funny but inappropriate. My husband, who is such a pushover and lets so much slide, even he gives me such a glare when I bust out laughing in such moments. Anywho, last week, my five-year-old daughter had the stomach bug, so we put a giant bowl next to her bed to catch any vomit. The next night, should have put a vomit warm. I mean, let's just assume this whole episode or this whole toddler or child situation is going to involve poop, pee, or vomit, okay? <laughs> The next night, we were putting the kids to bed, and she says, Mom, can you get the water out of here? I walk over to pick up the bowl and discard the water, only to realize it's yellow. I turn to my three-year-old son and ask if he peed in it, and he just gives me the biggest grin. At some point during the day, he did indeed stand and pee into her vomit bowl. Imagining that, I immediately began to laugh. My husband gave the glare, and I had to leave the room to collect myself. That's the latest example of my parenting hilarity. I look forward to hearing everyone else's stories. <laughs> Jacqueline, thank you. It's <laughs> so funny. Okay, let's do one more from Samantha, because this one is hilarious. This one is about private parts, so, you know, just giving you... Finally, after Another four of these, I, I learned to give you the heads up beforehand. Right. Hi, ladies. Longtime listener, first time emailer. I have a fantastic kid story. Last month, I took my three year old son with me to the dentist for his first visit. He watched me get my teeth cleaned first so he could understand what to expect. While the hygienist was cleaning my teeth, my son says, My pee pee is too long. It gets bigger when I touch it. I couldn't even react because my teeth were being cleaned. Once the hygienist stopped, I covered my eyes and lost it laughing. I kept thinking about it and awkwardly had to keep from laughing while my mouth was wide open. Needless to say, he's cavity free. <laughs> I was laughing so hard because oh that God. totally happened to me. Like when little boys are that age, they're, you know, if, if, like when little boys oh are, you gosh. know, three year ish or so. And they it usually corresponds with being potty trained and they finally have access to that area down there. They learn that that happens. And if you're and yes, that does happen to little, little, little boys. And I mean, even to babies that can happen. And they figure out that like there's something that happens if you 
spend a lot of time with your hands down there. And it is like finding out. I mean, let's be honest. Like if women had that and like, let me know any kid who would discover like, hey, when I when I do this, like something happens. It's like a pretty fascinating discovery. And so you spend a solid couple of months figuring out how to mitigate that. And eventually like the novelty wears off. But man, I had a lot as well of of conversations with Miles, mostly in the car, I felt like, where it was like, all I wanted to do was turn around and be like, what are you doing? (laughs) But you just got to be cool about it. Just gotta be cool. And every time that it would happen, I would tell him, I'd ask myself, I'd be like, okay, how would I react if this was his elbow? But I was like, but it's not his elbow. Not an elbow. Just no. Trying to be low-key. Send us your parenting stories if you guys have some good ones, too. This was uh, in reference to last week when we were talking about the times when you have to more or less keep a serious face from preventing it from either being like too big of a deal or you don't want them to start crying if you're laughing or make them feel like you're making fun of them. Um, and we just think those stories are so funny because they that's, were so that's a funny. real thing. And kids are, kids are so hilarious. Okay. So, um, again, you can send any stories to thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com. We got a lot of good stories in our DMs on Instagram. Just a reminder, we get we lose those immediately. So if you want to send anything, any communication where we actually can read it on the podcast, send it to thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com. All right. So on the topic of parenting, on the topic of parenting, I, how, why don't I give an update on my au pair? Great. Great. So we have had an au pair. If you guys follow us on social media, I've talked about it a little bit and I I brought it up in passing here and there. So we have had an au pair. She's lived with us now for about a month and it's going great. So I wanted to give an update. So the agency that we use is called Au Pair in America and there are maybe half a dozen different agencies and from what I can tell, they all function exactly the same way because this is a, a program that actually is managed by the federal government and so you know it's like they're here on an au pair visa. It's a very standardized program and so there's just a couple of different types of agencies and but from what I've from what I understand and from having different friends go through different agencies, um, they're all pretty much the same. So we went through au pair in America. And our au pair is from Brazil, but she actually had already been in the U.S. for a year already um, working with a family in New York City. And she just wanted, didn't love the city life, wanted to have a quieter spot to live. And also, she's from Brazil. The family she was with was actually from Portugal. And the reason they had hired her was because they wanted their kids to speak Portuguese. And so her whole thing was like, I want to come to the U.S. and learn English. And then the whole first year, she just like spoke Portuguese the whole time. So she wanted to extend to a second year and um, live with a family that didn't speak Portuguese, which she's in luck because I literally don't know a single word of Portuguese. And people are like, oh, but you speak (laughs) Spanish. It's so close. I actually think that knowing Spanish makes Portuguese harder because it's so close but so far that when I try to say things in Portuguese, I automatically try to say them like with a Spanish accent. It, the pronunciation's not the same. And, you know, the accent and like the the differences are not the same. So I think I mess it up worse because I know Spanish. Like I, if I were to read a sentence in Portuguese, I might be able to pick out a couple of words because they're similar to the Spanish ones. But she's been wonderful. I feel like I'll go. I want to go into the nitty gritty details a little bit because I know you guys will ask about it. So the reason that we chose to go with an au pair, a couple of reasons. In order to have an au pair, you have to have a room in your house where they can live. They don't need to have their own dedicated bathroom, but they do need to have have their own dedicated bedroom. And then you also need to provide them with a mode of transportation um, so that they can get to and from 
classes. They're required to take six credits of classes while they're here. And that can be any type of class. It can be most of them take English classes, but like they could take a pottery class at the local community college if they wanted to. Then they also have to have transportation to like this au pair once a month, like au pair meeting that they have. Since Brandon's sister had already been living with us more or less in this exact same role, we had bought a car for her when she moved out here for Brandon's sister when she moved out here because she didn't have a car. And the neighborhood that we live in, like you really need to be able to drive. We live in the suburbs. You can't walk to anything. So we have a, a, a car for her. We have an extra bedroom and an extra bathroom in our basement. So that worked out really well. We came to find that childcare for infants in Boulder County. I mean, we knew it was going to be very expensive. It is very, very expensive. It's like up to $2,500 a month for full-time infant care. More like on average around two grand a month. And that's a crazy amount of money. So Um, crazy. So crazy. And Miles is already in full-time preschool, which is like $1,000 a month for the preschool that he's in or $900 a month. And also the other major reason that we decided to go with an au pair is because the availability for infant care in our area was so, 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 so low that we wouldn't have been able to put her somewhere where Miles also could be. And I was like, I'm mm. not doing two drop-offs every morning. Like, if my kids are going to both yeah. be in out of, God. like, yeah. yeah, out of the home care, they have to be in the same place. And there was no such place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. Like, the wait lists for infant child care are, they're truly prohibitive. Like, in in Boulder County, and I think I, I hear about this all over the country, are really prohibitive. Like, because I was not, I didn't have a job when I had Evie, I didn't have her on a wait list anywhere. And yeah. When I start, you know, in June, when I got my job, I started calling around and it was like, oh, most places their next available, either they weren't even accepting new babies onto their wait lists or, or they were like, you need to make sure that you call us when you're actually thinking about having a child. Literally <laughs> the next available spot I could find was September of 2020. So like if yeah. I was calling in June, so th- I would not have even like, it was like, I would have, if I had a job and I needed to plan on going back after maternity leave, I would have had to like be making those phone calls the day I found out I was pregnant. To get right. her on the way. It's just so messed ridiculous. up. That's just so messed up. There's just so, so many things. Up. And it's like childcare. I was reading. I was like, you should be spending about 7% of your income on childcare. I was like, huh. I spend like 60% of my income on childcare. 7%? 7%. Like, okay. Who? Okay. Who? How? Yeah. Who? How? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if like three grand a month is 7% of your childcare, like congratulations or 7% of your income, congratulations to I, you. I want to know what, yeah, I want to yeah. hear like an anesthesiologist. Yeah. So anyway, an au pair is cheaper than out of the home childcare for infants. You pay a program fee, which you can pay monthly installments, you know, whatever. And then you pay your au pair about $200 a week, which is full-time minimum wage minus room and board. The biggest thing that people are like tend to be hesitant about with au pairs is like, is it going to be weird to have some rando person living in your house? I think that's probably the most prohib- like the most prevalent thought that people have right. and probably the au pairs too. And they actually give you a lot of counseling around that. Maybe counseling is not the right word, but a lot of like information around that. You have a community organizer who's local to your area who works for the au pair company and they come to your house and they do a home visit and they talk to you about all these things. They talk to you about like you get a bunch of links and PDFs and articles and things about how to make the transition work really well and what to do if your au pair gets homesick. And so all of that, they really have that handled because everyone thinks that everyone's worried about that. So they really Mm -hmm. give you a lot of resources to deal with that. I think also because our au pair already had been working for a family, it wasn't like as jarring for her. So it's been going really well. It wasn't weird for her because she's like, right. She's already 
And I really appreciated that. Like for us, since we were looking for truly full-time childcare, a lot of people who use au pairs, they do it because like they have multiple kids who are in school and the schools, you know, for their kids maybe start it and end at slightly different times or one of their kids is only in half day school. And, but the more I was coming to find that, the more I realized that not that many families are asking for like full-time Monday through Friday, not eight to five type of care. And so, you know, they were like, listen, if, if you get some like 20 year old who's never really worked full time before, this could be a lot for them. The, sure. the other thing I was surprised to find was that it was really hard to find someone who could drive. I really take for granted that everyone in the U.S. knows how to drive and drives all the time for the most part, unless you mm-hmm. live in New York mm-hmm. City. But that's not the case for most of the rest of the world. Um, you know, not that many other countries, especially like Central and South America, where a lot of the in Latin America, where a lot of the au pairs come from, you don't drive every day. You know, maybe your family has one car and you all kind of just like do whatever. So she does know how to drive. She's kind of like getting her her sea legs back under her in that sense. But it's been going really sure. well. It has not been awkward. It's been great to have the flexibility. We she's really, really good with the kids. And yeah, it's just been a really positive experience so far. So if you have specific questions, if you're really considering getting an au pair and you have specific questions, you know, send me an email. This is Joanne Claire at gmail.com. I'd love to answer any other questions. But a lot of people, anytime Great. I post about it, they're like, Are you gonna talk about this on the podcast? So consider this me talking about it on the podcast. Consider yourself updated. Yes. That's really cool. And I think it's really helpful for people to hear of all the options too. And kind of, I think it's something that not a lot of people might consider for all those reasons you just listed. And I think that's just really cool that you're able to kind of shed light on the process too, and kind of even just people to look into it. So can you say again, the resources um, of where people can go, the website where you went? Yeah, so it's au pair in America, A-U-P-A-I-R in America. Dot com And the process is sort of like online dating. So you set up your own profile for your family. You write a little letter that introduces yourself and your family and kind of talks about what you want and the schedule that you're looking for. And you, you know, submit pictures of your house or whatever. And, and then you upload that to your profile. Somebody at the au pair agency reviews it. And then you can, once you get approved, you can start you can start matching with the au pairs and you kind of like look at the same stuff from them they've submitted some photos they've submitted a letter they also you can read like an evaluation through from an interview an in-person interview that they have to do in their home country that talks about like their english skills and that type of thing and then once you match with someone you can like interview them on skype once the you each mutually like you know you can email and talk and whatever and once you both decide that you want that person to be your au pair, then you create like the match, sign the match form, and then you have to go through a criminal background check, and then they can start their visa process. So the other big question, sorry, that I've been getting is about the timing. Okay. We started the process in early November, and she moved in in the first week of January. I think that's about as... That's pretty quick. It's quick, and I think that's about as fast as it can go. And I think the reason it was able to be so fast for us is because she was already in the country, but for most of the au pairs... They have sort of a start date range where it's like start date from, you know, March to April of 2020, because if they're not already in the country, they can't finalize their visa until they have approved been approved for an actual placement. And sometimes that can take a couple of extra weeks more than what you really think. And so that's another benefit of getting someone who's already been in the country. But the the big drawback of getting someone who's already been in the country is that at most an au pair visa can only be renewed once. Oh, I was going to ask how long you plan to have her. Yeah. So like if you have an au pair who's a first year au pair and you really, really like her, you can in theory extend her for a second year. 
And it also, I have learned there are some men who do this. Um, I didn't see any on the agency that we used, but there are. But I'll just say her for because that's what I what we did. But since our au pair is already on her second year, like she's done a year from now. That's the drawback to having a second year au pair. Got it. Well, great. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. I want to play a voice mem- memo from Kelsey. Please submit your voice memos to thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your voice. Anything that's on your mind, you can send it to us and we will hopefully get to all of them at some point. If you haven't heard your voice memo played, we promise we listen to them, but we just, we kind of have to pick and choose based on the topics that we're going to also discuss. But I really loved this one from Kelsey. Um, I think we got this one a few weeks ago, or it might even been during the last episodes of our Girls Gone Wad podcast, but I just wanted to play this and then we can talk about something too that kind of relates to something Claire did recently. Hi, Joy and Claire. This is Kelsey, voice memoing from Baltimore, Maryland. I had two things I wanted to share, but I definitely feel word vomit coming on. So I'll start with that I'm so proud of you both for the change in the podcast. I've been a listener for two years, and I love you both dearly and I've been trying to get my non-CrossFit friends to listen to you guys and I've always had to preface it with it's not just a CrossFit podcast so uh, I felt like this change was right right from the beginning as soon as you announced it I was on board because as much as we need your voices in the CrossFit space you are both so much more than that so I love the change and I'm a big fan of the new intro song I listen to it way too much so I'm proud of you both for that congratulations the one thing I wanted to talk about was the mantra this is my body right now um and I think that was that might have actually been from one of your last Girls Gone Wad episodes And it's something I've been using every day. I broke my collarbone a couple weeks ago. I was hit by a car on my bike and I have not been able to work out. I'm a general manager of two CrossFit gyms in Baltimore and not being able to work out has been a hit for me. My body, even just in the last five weeks, has changed. It is softer. It is holding a little bit more body fat than I normally do. And I just have to remind myself that this is my body right now and it's okay. And it's still worthy of love and appreciation, even if it's not the way I hope to have it forever. It's just my my body is healing and I have to respect that. And right now, love it for the healing that it's doing. Because that is just as amazing as what it does when I can clean and jerk and CrossFit. So just thank you for that mantra. It has been a lifesaver. The last thing I wanted to comment on was the Jillian Michaels thing from the last episode. As much as I wish if we just didn't give her attention, she might just disappear with her outdated views on health and bodies. I don't think that's the case. So I think Claire hit it on the head with she just needs to join us in 2020 and we will welcome her with open arms when she can finally appreciate that 
health and wellness are not associated with size necessarily. Um, we need to make space for all body sizes. As much as, you know, her comments immediately fill me with rage, I try to land on the space of when she's ready to join us, we will welcome her with open arms. You know, we all have, have growing we need to do. And it's unfortunate that she makes her need for growth so public. Most of us don't have to deal with that when we make a mistake. It tends to be in a much smaller setting and we listen to those who know better than us and we grow and we learn. And unfortunately, she is just making her comments very public. And so the backlash can be violent, but I hope she hears the people who are speaking from good intentions and uh, she'll grow and learn with us. I think that's it. I think that's all I have to say. Um, gosh, I look forward to hearing your voices again on Thursday. I love you both and wish you all the best. That was a good one. I love hearing from people too who like are coaches or managers or owners in the fitness space because I feel like, you know, they live in that, obviously live in that world. They work in that world. They're professionals in that field and they deal with such a huge spectrum of different types of people who are at different places in their experience and in their journey. You know, I would imagine that she has probably counseled a lot of other athletes through similar types of situations where they're injured and she's the one who has to be the, who has to tell them like, Hey, your body's healing. This is good. Like appreciate where you're at, you know, understand that this isn't forever, but give yourself time and space. But then when it comes to yourself, it's a completely different conversation. You have to turn that dialogue around and be like, Hey self, you're fine. This isn't forever. You know, appreciate where you're at, appreciate what you're doing. And it's so much harder to say that to yourself. Oh my gosh. It's so much harder. And I think too, the, um, first of all, I hope you're doing okay, Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, got getting, hit by a car. Hit by a car, like on a bike, is everyone's worst nightmare. So I am so sorry that that happened to you, and I hope you're healing okay. But I mean, breaking your collarbone, holy cow! That's a. It's not a, just a, a bruised leg. It's just something that takes a really long time, and broken bones take a really long time to heal. And so I think. Um, just taking care of yourself and working working at a CrossFit gym and being around that fitness going on has got to be really, really hard. But I love the reminder, and I can't remember which listener, so I'm sorry that I'm not giving you this credit, but go back in one of our previous Girls Gone Wild episodes where we talked about this, where she wrote in and she just said her mantra was, this is my body right now. This is just what I look like. And I think that that is something that we were we are always going to preach, but I just want to throw it in there as a reminder I'll get to this a little bit later, but I watched the Taylor Swift documentary and she opens up a little bit, a little bit about struggling with image, body image. No shocker there being who she is because you're immersed in that world. But she talks about how she uh, stumbled into an eating disorder, or I would, I don't know if it was a full blown diagnosis. And I always just hate to assume that, but it just sounds like with obvious reasons, you would kind of have those symptoms being surrounded by people who are telling you to fit into like the smallest size possible or getting pregnant for how you look constantly. So she talks about that and where she where was really cool to kind of see was she would she was talking about this photo that she says, this is a photo and she shows it to the camera and she says, this photo right here, I almost wanted to go to that place again. And what it really just kind of showed for me was how on a daily basis we have to give ourselves these mantras. And you could see Taylor kind of in that practice of going, here's a photo that I wanted to slip back into those old habits 
And it is a habit. It's a pattern of thinking. It's this is where I, you know, you go into kind of like the cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. If you are familiar with those, or if you're not, talk to your therapist about them of just really getting to that space of that's an old belief that is no longer true. Here's where I'm going to go now. And you have to remind yourself sometimes minute to minute. This is my body right now. This is what I used to do when I would see a photo of myself or have those negative thoughts about myself. And this is where I'm going now. And I can personally relate to that just sometimes day by day, minute by minute, where you're kind of like, oh, that's an old belief. Oh, I used to do that when I would get into a negative spiral. But I love the, this is my body right now. This is what I look like right now. And just, I think when you get to a kind of a point of exhaustion, you're just kind of tired of your own BS where you're like, I'm just so tired of this. So can you talk a little bit about your, the post that you did about thread up too? Because I think that kind of transitions nicely into yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. So I posted this on Instagram stories a couple of days ago that I got rid of three thread up bags, which is if you've done thread up, those bags are huge. I was shocked. They're almost like the size of trash bags. Like they were, it's so big. And um, I just got mine today yeah. and I can't wait to fill mine up. It's so if you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about, you know, just some different sustainability tips. And one thing that we brought up was this um, company called ThreadUp. You've probably heard of them. It's an app where you can buy secondhand clothes. But the big benefit that we really like is that you can send them your clothes and they will do the work for you. So you, you go to threadup.com, you order, you don't even order, you just sign up for them to send you a bag for free. Someone wrote in too and said that you can use your own bag so that you don't actually need a bag. Like if you have a bag, that's another like little micro way to right. not have used an extra bag. But yes, right. Yeah. Just an so FYI. They'll send you your stuff, you know, whatever. They'll send you a bag or you can send it to them and they will go through the clothes for you and they'll sell what they can sell and you get like a small commission on what they can sell. And if they can't, if their stuff like is, isn't in good enough condition, isn't in season, isn't a name brand that they want to sell, then they'll recycle the clothes. So if you're looking for, if you're like, I have all this crap in my closet, I don't just want to give it to Goodwill because you, you know, you, I don't know, you just never know. And, or you're like, some of this stuff is really nice. And I would like to get 20 bucks from these brand new Madewell pants that I never even took the tag off of, but I just don't have the time to put it on an app like Poshmark where you manage that all yourself. And yeah, maybe you could make three times as much money, but you're also going to be spending a ton of time taking the pictures and managing the posting. ThreadUp is the perfect middle ground. The point of this, and actually I also want to make a point really quickly like on the, the comment about Goodwill. My mom, hi mom, sent me a podcast episode for Fresh Air. It was from December 13th, 2019. And the episode is called Best of What Happens to Stuff You Donate. And it was a snippet from an interview with the guy who wrote the book, a book called Secondhand, which I'm going to start reading. Brandon's stepmom was reading it and she said she really enjoyed it. And this guy, his family had been in the junk business and then he grew up to be a journalist who covers like waste and recycling. So interesting. But so he is like super intimately familiar with exactly what happens to your stuff when you recycle it, when you throw it away, when you donate it to Goodwill, when you donate it to Salvation Army. It's fascinating. It's a quick interview. You can listen to the whole thing. It's only the first half of that half of that fresh air episode. And then she goes on to interview somebody from Mrs. Maisel. And you know, it was great. But the first half of the episode <laughs> is really what you're looking for. Um, if you're curious to learn more about that. Okay, come swing back around. Thread up. So I got rid of all my stuff. It was so much stuff. And the when I posted it on stories, I was like, okay, goodbye to my pre-baby clothes that are that just don't fit. I'm sick of feeling bad about you. And I think that for a lot of women and a lot of people who have 
physical changes where they go from a smaller size to a larger size for any reason. I think pregnancy is a really obvious one, but you can gain weight for any reason and you don't have to, you know, I like, I feel like when I talk about my being postpartum and my postpartum body struggles and talks and evolutions, I really don't want this to just be about being postpartum because it's so easy to point at pregnancy and be like, well, your body made a human like you should be so proud. And it's like, yeah, of course I am. But like that's kind of almost feels a little bit beside the point. Like I'm not like I don't look at my body and I'm like, well, be nice to it because look at what it did. Because to me, I shouldn't need a reason like that to be nice to my body. I should just be nice to my body. And so I don't I don't use that dialogue personally. It's not helpful to me because it feels like a little bit of I don't really want to say a cop out but it's just like I shouldn't need to have this huge reason like of course I'm grateful that I have healthy children and I'm objectively amazed at the process of childbirth and of growing humans like it's insane that that's how we reproduce who came up with that how is it still this way but it's like a miracle of nature and like magic and science for real it's a miracle but I don't feel like that takes away from the fact that I should just love my body because I love it, not because of it doesn't have to earn that. It shouldn't have to earn that by exactly. going That's through. That's what it feels like. It feels like yeah. you have to have you have to have like this earning of something. Yeah. Right. And so let that go. If, if for any reason over the course of the last couple of years, your body has changed and your clothes no longer fit, it can well, like be. Her, uh, Kelsey was just saying, yeah. where Kelsey was like, I got in an accident. And I just have to say, because I'm not doing the activity level that I used to do, like it just, you go through these seasons and phases of life. And I think that that assumption that we should always be this one size is so weird. It's so weird. Right. And even if it's like, even if all that changed was just your metabolism, you're getting a little bit older, you're, you're a little bit more stressed out. You got a different job where you're sitting down a lot more than you used to. Whatever the case may be, it might not be anything. It might just be like one day, all of a sudden, you know, I realized I, my pants didn't fit anymore. Like I know I read this at some point as like a weight loss tip, which was, you know, buy a pair of pants in your goal size to have them totally. to remind you totally. that that's your goal. That's BS, totally. guys. End I've that. To- yeah, that is We're done. absolutely malarkey. Like that is Yeah, that but is like crazy. we've all read that. We've that. internalized we've totally that, read that as being like a tip. You can like a one fun tip. Make yep. yourself feel terrible every time you open your closet door. What a fun tip. Yeah. And yeah. so we I think have all just internalized this suggestion that If you get rid of the clothes that don't fit you, that means you're giving up. Right. Giving up what? But that's totally how it can feel because we have been totally desensitized and totally just bought in without even thinking to this concept that if you are not currently the smallest size you've ever been, then you should be actively trying to get back to that size. And that's so stupid. It's so stupid. Your body is going to change. Stuff's going to happen. You are not the same person you have always been. Your life is not the same that it's always been. We aren't worried about anything else in our life staying exactly the same except for like our pant size. Why is it that we not just accept, but embrace and seek growth and change everywhere else in our world except when it comes to our bodies? It's so and expansion stupid. and fluidity. And I think right. there's all you nailed it too with all the things that we've internalized. And I think that all the um it's no surprise. I mean, there's all these diet tips and diet culture and diet 
BS that floats around us. And I think the important thing to notice is how do you internalize it or that you don't even know that you're internalizing it. So kind of stopping to be like, whoa, I'm totally, I totally bought into that. And for some people, it's water off a duck's back. And for those people, I'm so glad for you that you don't have to kind of like let that sink into yourself and that you're, you can more easily let that go. But I think for a lot of people, it does get internalized and we metabolize it and we kind of, it becomes a part of us. And then we don't even realize it's, it's affecting us, but then we immediately jump to the, gosh, I, I didn't used to fit into those pants or I, I used to fit into these pants and now I, I don't. And I got to get, you know, I got to open the closet and have these shame pants staring at me every time I walk. Shame in pants. Like, so- Throw out your shame pants. Everyone. I feel like most of the people pains me to say this, but I bet most people listening right now have shame pants. They have shame pants. Get rid of those For today. Sure. And whether you when, just... I remember when... Yeah. You know what? Send us your shame pants and shame we will the, donate yeah, let's them. Let's just do... We just will donate go, them for you. Yeah. Go to thisisjoyandclaire.com. We will send you our address. You can send us your shame <laughs> pants and we will send in a whole bag to thread up yep. of shame pants. Get them yeah. out of your house. So shame pants revolution. I did the same thing. It took me a long bras. time. Just full disclosure. I was it took say, me a long time to get rid of my shame pants. Because I was like, I felt shameful that I couldn't fit into them. I know. After you did macros, I feel like two years later, you were still texting me saying like, why do I feel like yep. crap that I can't fit into these shorts that I yep. fit into? And yep. I definitely... It's because I was starving. Like, that's not yes, healthy. Right. And it was just, they were, they were, it was a time in my life where it was, I was really unhealthy. However, I felt like once I fit into them, I should be able to fit into them again. It's a bunch of BS. Crap. It's BS. Try not to cuss. Mm -hmm. um, Okay. So for me personally, I realized as I was getting rid of that stuff that I still had this little voice in the back of my head that was like, you're just like, by getting rid of these clothes that are smaller, you're giving up. And I was like, giving up what? This is so stupid. It was like, this is, I realized that I had been telling myself that and that, you know, and I mean, okay, I'm a one year postpartum. I did hold on to a lot of those because your body changes so much in that year. So much. You really don't know, you know, so I'm not telling you like get rid of a bunch of clothes that you still might be able to use in the near future. Right. 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 And, but I decided, listen, it's been a year. I am the weight that I am. And I am embracing that. And one of the ways that I'm outwardly embracing that is by getting rid of these clothes that are, you know, two to three sizes smaller than my current size. And it was like, I tried everything on. If it was close to fitting and I liked it, I would keep it because again, I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be wasteful. I'm not trying to get rid of clothes that I'm just going to have to replace in a couple of months. Right. And so there is that balance. But if I'm, you know, like right now I'm a size like 29 to 30. If I'm looking at a pair of jeans that are size 27 that fit me before I got pregnant and like I still have some stuff that fit me prior pregnant with miles that was like even smaller than that. And I'm just sitting here thinking, why am I holding on to this? There is not, there's, no time in the foreseeable future where this is going to fit me. And if and when my body continues to change and I am a different size one day, I will buy clothes in that different size. Cross that bridge when I get there. Yeah. I'll cross that bridge when I get to. I'm not going to hang on to an entire wardrobe full of clothes that don't fit because one day I might be that size again. Just get rid of your shame pants. It feels good. It feels great to just tell your body, hey, body. You are this size and I accept that and you are not doing anything wrong by being this size. You are just killing it. You're keeping my organs in place. I appreciate that about you. I can, you know, do a couple other things too sometimes. I can occasionally use my body for other fun stuff, which I enjoy. Thanks for all of that. I'm going to stop feeling terrible all the time. 
because I'm a larger size than I once was. And for some of us, Mm -hmm. I mean, for me included, like the size that I quote unquote once was, I was 23. I had no kids. I wasn't, you know, it's like I could work out twice a day. I could make all my food that I wanted. I got tons of sleep. That is not my life anymore. Why do I expect that to still be my body? And, you know, I think the other thing to keep in mind, you are the only person who knows what pant size you wear. Mm-hmm. No one else knows. All they know is that, man, those pants look uncomfortable that you've tried to squeeze yourself into because you care right. about being a different size. And no one cares. Right. And no, no one cares. cares. Like, I, I I definitely, you know, occasionally I'll see someone where I'm like, wow, those pants look really uncomfortable. And that you can tell because when your pants are tight, you're adjusting them all day. Right. You're pulling at them. And that's the only thing I ever noticed about people is like, wow, those don't look comfortable. That person's really like adjusting themselves a lot. No one else knows what size you are. So if that's your other worry is like, well, what if people knew that I was this bigger size? How? How would they know? So it's all in your head. It's, it's all, all in, in your head. head. We have to change Literally. our thinking. We have to challenge our thinking. We have to go, all right, is this something we want to keep? Is this really benefiting me? It's really not. So let's change our thoughts around this. Let's just change our thinking. Get rid of your shame pants. If you have a okay. whole shame closet, you're not alone. Throw it out. You're not alone. Throw it out. It'll feel so good. And when you do, send us a photo because we want to see this revolution. Mm -hmm. Goodbye, shame pants. All right. So I want to do a quick recap of your favorite show, The Goop Lab. You ready for this, Claire? Yes, I have not. Full disclosure, I have not seen a single minute of a single episode of this. Okay. And I don't think you're going to watch it. No, this is like Joy's Review Corner. I feel like we have these now. Yeah, we have a review corner. I've watched quite a few things lately, so I may have to do more reviews. But this is this was a hot topic, and this was something I was putting off because I knew it would send me into a rage spiral. And I was like, do I really want to do this to myself? But I, for the sake of research and for the sake of just bringing this to the forefront, because I think it's kind of like the same thing. What I got the feel after I watched this was like kind of the same thing when we watch like a vegan documentary, where it's kind of like, okay, every five years, a new one pops up, and they're talking about all this science, and they're talking about how bad meat is for you and blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of have to, at the end of the day, do the research yourself and listen to all the counter arguments. It was really funny because, okay, so there's six episodes and I won't go through every single one, but the first episode I watched, they did psychedelic mushrooms and they went kind of like like on this tour, the six, six of them from the Goop staff did psychedelic mushrooms. And so they documented this whole trip of them tripping. <laughs> and so the first episode, I was like, actually, everyone on the show is really likable. Like, I like the characters on it. I like the people that work for Goop. They're, they seem like really good human beings. So you're kind of like already in this realm of wanting to like them. And so the first episode, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm not totally turned off by this. And they did put a disclaimer at the very top of the episode where it's like, this is not medical advice. This is not to replace advice by your physician, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, good. Goop. You're understanding that this is not to replace medical advice and you're not trying to get sued again. So, but it's kind of funny because Gwyneth is in every single episode kind of talking to the experts that are taking them through all these journeys. So there's one about the psychedelic mushrooms. There's one about Wim Hof. So he takes them through all the breathing exercises and jumping in cold plunges. There's one about sexual, they have like a sex expert where she's talking about the female orgasm. And then they have an energy healer. And then a medium is the last one where they have those all sound like topics. Medium. I mean, those all sound like interesting topics. Like those are things that you 
Joy have like I feel like half those you're one, like what you would be on that episode. We'd have those people on the podcast. One hundred percent. That's exactly where I was like I would probably have a lot of these people on the episode uh, or on the podcast. But I was like, this is something where I you know the first one, the psychedelic mushrooms. Of course, you're kind of like, all right, fine. Like that's every, it's all the rage right now. Is it going to? Ch- At the end of the day, here's what here's my like two second review is like. At the end of the day, if if anything helps you a little bit or if anything is beneficial to you personally and you found benefit from it, great. That's great. That's great. And I don't think that you should watch this thinking that you're going to find an answer to life. But Gwyneth's whole premise of goop is, I want to, she keeps saying this like in the intro, is like, we have, we only have one life to live, like, let's squeeze the shit out of it. And I think that that's kind of where she comes from. But I'm also like, okay, but you're selling, first of all, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. But like, one of the episodes, the one about the female orgasm, and they had the sex expert, I shouldn't say sex expert, it was like female anatomy, and how to orgasm and how to find pleasure. And Gwyneth was like, oh, I didn't know the vagina was on the inside and the vulva. She didn't know what a vagina, she didn't, she thought the vagina was just the whole. The whole thing that the vulva was the extra thing. part she didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't know. Here's where I'm like, you have a company that sell, that has sold a jade egg that does like vaginal steaming and you don't even know the anatomy of the vagina? I'm maybe just so- giving her, I, I would like to give her the benefit of the doubt that maybe she was trying to normalize that sure okay. revelation mm-hmm. that she was like i think actually a that's lot of women kind of you. don't know that that's, so she was trying okay, to that's yeah, kind of you i'm yeah. gonna give her the benefit of the doubt there because i feel like we all as a culture just call the whole thing the vagina and it's not the vagina's on the inside the vulva's on the outside but none of us say vulva because it's weird and you feel weird about it which <laughs> i feel i've said it like five times now and i feel weird about it volvo we're fine with vulva not so much and although i will say as a child i called volvos vulvas because i didn't know oh great um <laughs> That's probably uh, an, that is actually probably a uh, an example or where your parents were trying not to laugh, not to laugh at. Yeah, like mom, look, they have a vulva. Uh, they drive a vulva. Uh, wow, I've said it so many times now. Um. <laughs> it's okay. They say it a lot on the Gwyneth episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. I think a lot of people don't know that. So okay. Uh, and again, like that is something that I think that episode, if I had to kind of choose one, would probably be the one where I was like, that was the most groundbreaking episode I've ever seen. It had tons of pictures. I'm going to say it again, vulva. It, it had like a whole array of pictures of vulvas it had actually a live shot of a vagina and someone's crotch and like looking at herself and exploring herself which a little bit weird but at the same time I'm like no one's ever done this before like no one has ever like put a camera on someone's crotch and had her like explore her own anatomy like we see plenty of penises on television plenty of them I care not to see penises on television, quite honestly. I'm like, okay, there's, you know, there's another one, but we can't like have our anatomy on Well, and our anatomy a is not, show. our anatomy is not quite as obvious. You do kind of have to get in there to figure out what's going on. I know. Well, that's what I was saying. Like they were really getting in there. Like, yeah, but that's what I mean. So, it's like, we have probably haven't seen it because you really do have to have like a point of view camera in between your legs in when, order to really see what's up with there. With the crotch shot open. That's true. Like males just have the appendage right there. So right. I was just like, that is really... That was really groundbreaking, to be honest. I felt like no one's ever done that before, where they've put all this focus on the female. And I felt like that was really, really cool. I mean, I kind of joked I, when I was watching it on stories. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. We have to like, it was, inc- it was, I was really uncomfortable watching it, but 
it was only because I was like, Ugh, I mean, there's something I think about like your own relationship to your body that kind of comes forward when you watch that episode where you're like, okay, how do I view myself? And how do you see, how do you view pleasure? And how do you view just like the relationship to your body? I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm struggling to put this into words, but like almost like how you view yourself um, yes. and how I wanted to just like make fun of it because I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to look at this. Right, it's like, awkward. Oh, well, actually, this is really helpful. This is really helpful for people to watch this episode. First of all, kudos to you for saying pleasure on the podcast. I know that was uncomfortable for you, but I agree. I think it is something that is very shameful. You know, pe- most people think it's shameful to even want to know, you know, it's, it's seen as being inappropriate to talk about, let alone to want to know about yourself, that mm-hmm. you're supposed to kind of just like accept the mystery of whatever is down there and live your life. And right. it's part of your body. And I think that I do agree that it's, you know, I think that even though it probably was very jarring to watch and maybe it's like, I don't really want to spend my time watching someone do that. But the fact that they're putting it out there, they're like, hey, this is normal. You should be down there figuring out what's in between your legs. If you are a grown woman right. and have never done this before, maybe you should try. And yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable right. because you've never been given permission to like really figure out what's down there. But you should know. And, right. you know, why yeah. wouldn't, why would you not want to know? It's your, it's your body. But I definitely think that the vast majority of us grew up in a family, in a culture where the idea of sex and the idea of, you know, just wanting to prioritize yourself in that way. And also, but also like wanting to know, even just like anatomically understand what's going on down there. It sort of was like, if you don't need to know about it for your actual medical health, then it's shameful to to not explore. But yeah, explore. It's shameful to want to know. Right. Yeah. So get get in there, guys. It's really interesting. Get in there. I think that, yeah, and I have a lot to think about still. I think that that episode just gave me a lot to think about. And I think everyone should at least watch that one. Because like I said, the first reaction is to kind of, I wanted to make fun of it. And I wanted to just be like, ah, oh, geez, they're going to like, just be all almost like woo woo about it. But it really wasn't. And that's what I think I after watching it, I was like, Oh, that was actually really good. And especially for women who are not in touch with their bodies, or even just kind of like feeling like they have permission to feel like a sexual being. So loved that one. The Wim Hof one was okay. Here's what I kind of laugh about because you've have you read his books? Wim Hof's books? I read his not his book. I read the book called Oh, gosh. It was like the first book that came out about him. It's like what made him popular. It was some outside magazine journalist who wrote a whole book about him. So so when and I don't know enough about him. But I think my my thoughts about cold plunges is it, you know, teaches you how to deal with stress, it teaches your body how to deal with stress, but they kind of make all these claims. And I listened to a couple really good reviews of this show of this episode that I will post at some point. Um, It was like a BBC episode or BBC podcast that a listener sent to us. And I thought it was super helpful, but they really kind of go deep into the science of it, which I'm not going to do. But uh, just kind of the claims where he's like, yeah, make sure the whole like alkaline and acid thing kind of make me laugh. He's like, it makes your body alkaline. And the scientists were like, yeah, for like two minutes, but you could also get the same thing from exercise. So it's kind of funny how all these claims are, you know, about just you have to do cold plunges to get that. I'm like, look, I when I would do rock climbing, I felt like I got the same benefits of stress management when I was rock climbing. I don't know if I need to jump in a pool to teach myself to 
learn how to calm down. Like when I was rock climbing, you have to be so present that you can't think about anything else. You have to calm your breathing. You can't freak out when you're up high. Like you can get your body to deal with stress management in other activities as well. I don't think you necessarily have to sit in a cold bath, but that's just me. Probably because I don't want to sit in a cold bath. <laughs> so yeah. Like, and you know, maybe a cold bath is easier to access than rock climbing. But I agree with you that it's like, it's a very extreme version of this. And like, even in the book, and even if you read any of his stuff, he starts out, like if you go, you know, stay at his hut in Sweden or wherever he started out. Yeah. They start with a couple of days of just breath work. And then he's like, okay, you know, now you can go into the cold thing and because he, he did. figured it out. Yeah, yeah. they did that. Right. They did so a it's lot not of like, work beforehand. Yeah. Right. So really like the cold plunge thing I think is a way is like an extreme way to force yourself to have to use breath work. But right. Yeah. I think breath work is really beneficial for most people. Like I think we should all know more techniques for in the moment breathing through something. Totally. 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 Okay. So then the Wim Hof thing. The only thing I didn't love about a lot of the Goop staff is I didn't see a lot of body diversity on the goop staff, uh, which, you know, kind of was a little bit like, "Mm, that's a given. But there was just something about that that didn't sit right with me. I will say there was a, I think Wim Hof took them through, it was Elise and and Gwyneth did push-ups. And so he kind of gave them the breathing technique of if you do this type of breathing, you can do more push-ups just an example. And so they were doing these pushups and I posted something where I was like, I see no reps. Well, it was so funny because I forgot to mention that the cheer episodes, their cheer pushups are so bad, Claire. They're like this. They they don't even they don't even go down like one inch. Right, there's no so range of motion. Everyone wanted to comment about that. I just had to say, I was like, okay, I have I can't believe I didn't address the cheer pushups. They're so, so bad. So bad. Someone needs to write in and be like if you're going to be such a badass cheer team, learn how to do a chest to the ground push up and back up. But they would be like this. Just I'm doing it to Claire, like this little like one inch push ups. Okay. Uh, the rest of the episodes for the Goop uh, show, I would say if anyone wants to really dive into the Goop show, or at least just watch one episode, watch the one about the female orgasm. And the other ones were kind of like a little bit woo for me. Like the look, I'm try when I was in my twenties, I got trained to do Reiki, so I know that this stuff is could be beneficial. But the whole energy healing one, I was kind of like, this is kind of weird to like watch. But if I was in the room getting a treatment, I would probably feel differently. But it feels a little wooey. And then of course the last one, like the mediumship, I was like, well, this is kind of cool. But it was great because they actually had like the biggest skeptic on the one on the medium show. They had their biggest staffer. That was a skeptic that was like, absolutely not. I don't believe in any of this. I feel no connection to energy or mediums. They had her do a reading and the medium was reading this girl and the girl's like, no idea what you're talking about. This connects not at all to me. No joke. Oh, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Okay, this is like kind of a spoiler. If you end up watching this episode, turn this like skip Fast forward for the next minute. Yeah. Because I really want to talk about this, but it was so funny because this like very skeptical staffers like this doesn't connect to me at all. And you're kind of feeling bad for the medium because you're like, oh, my God, this is like blowing up in her face. No joke. Someone from the behind the camera, like one of the producers is like, um, excuse me, excuse me. I think you're reading me. And you look over, they pan the camera and she's bawling. Everything the medium said, she's like, oh yeah, you know, that happens if there's a lot of people in the room, I'll go to the wrong person. And the, this and this girl was like bawling. She's like naming every sing, single thing the medium said was like her life. 
And it was kind of cool. I got to say, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really rad. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's really rad. But yeah, I mean, Gwyneth is, her intentions are good. And I truly think and know in my heart, like, Gwyneth just wants to do good for the world. I think her the way she's doing it with a lot of the products and what a lot of the things they push is a little out of touch. But it's back to that Tracy Anderson thing where they're just out of touch because they live in LA and they live in a completely different world. They live in a completely different world. So I would like to see them. I mean, I was on Goop the other day on the website just to kind of see the products that they're pushing. Some of Gwen's favorite things are bags and shoes and clothing that's $1,500. So that just tells you like, we don't live in that world. Like I'm not going to go to uh, Gwen's favorite things and buy a pair of shoes that's $1,500. And I don't think I'll buy anything off of the Goop website, to be quite honest with you. But I just know that the funny thing was, oh, I think they did like, oh, I forgot the biggest one was like the age. They did one where that's kind of like, what is your age? And so they did this whole thing about health and how your diet, how your age on the outside matches on the inside. And so that one was kind of weird because they did all these crazy diets and then like tested their blood afterward and Gwyneth like did a fast and whatever, like intermittent fasting, just the way that they kind of talk about food and diet and exercise. I was like, yeah, you guys kind of have a different, different way of looking at it than I do. But, and then like the facial treatments, of course, were kind of weird. I, I didn't, I don't really buy into that stuff. A lot of the science, the BBC scientists reviewed those too. And they were kind of at the, at the end being like, yeah, this is kind of BS. Like a vampire facial is really not going to give you long-term results. All of these crazy acupuncture in your face or these, there was this one where they almost like did threads in her face to kind of like lift her face. So it was almost like threading in your face to pull your face up. Eventually it goes away. Like I, I didn't also love the, there was a part where they're like, let's, let's learn to age gracefully. Do we need to age gracefully? Cause like, I just want to age and own my age, like aging gracefully that term kind of bugs me because it kind of gives this idea that like, if you look your There's age- There's a right and wrong way to do it. Yeah. It's just so weird. Cause like the, the dermatologist was like, they were talking with her doing this consult and she's like, I just want to feel better in my skin. I just want to keep, you know, age gracefully or something. And it was kind of the, the message of, of like, okay, so we can't have wrinkles. Like what the fuck does that mean? Sorry. Take it with a grain of salt. I, I at least wasn't rageful. I wasn't rageful at the end. I was just kind of like, eh. It's exactly what I would expect. It's exactly what I would expect. There we go. I feel like we're out of time and I kind of want to talk about T-Swift's documentary, but we'll have to do that next week. Or Yeah, we can save that maybe. for next week's Joy's Review Corner. Yeah, Review <laughs> Corner. But it was so good. So if you haven't watched it before I do my Taylor review, go watch the Taylor Swift documentary because it's really good on Netflix. Okay. Uh, right. Any other updates or things we have to uh, get out there into the world other than people sending us their voice memos and emails to this is joyandclaire at gmail.com. And if you want to send us your no. shame pants, email us and we'll send you an address. Okay. And Let's get yeah. rid of those shame pants. No, and thank you for supporting our podcast. Thank you for supporting our sponsor for Sigmatic. Use code joy or go to forsigmatic.com forward slash joy. Try out their products. They have a ton of different types of products. So get a little sample pack. If you've never tried them, yeah. it's really worth it. It's worth checking it out. You don't have to drink it straight. Also, a lot of people, myself included, add the coffee packet to their real coffee. And it kind of just gives a little adaptogen boost to your coffee they're already drinking without the flavor being quite as like mushroomy because you get the coffee, the real coffee flavor in it as well. 
If you've never had it before, I would recommend that because it doesn't really taste just like coffee. They call it like a coffee drink. Some of their blends do have powdered coffee in them. But if you're expecting it to taste just like coffee, you might be a little disappointed if that's like exactly what you're going for. So blend it with your actual cup of coffee would be my hot tip. Yeah. And I think a lot of the products that they have are really good blended, especially their their protein. So thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Send us all your feedback. Find us on socials, Joy and Claire. This is Joy and Claire on Facebook, Joy and Claire on Twitter, Joy and Claire underscore on Instagram, and joyandclaire.com. Yay. You got it all. Good job, Joy. (sighs) I finally get it after seven years. All right. Well, have a great week. We are recording on Super Bowl Sunday, so we hope you had a great Super Bowl. We're in February. Woohoo, we, we made it. Out of out of the 2020 of January, that was the year of January, and we're ready to rock and roll. So have a great week, and here's your dance party song. Bye. Like we do it.